1: God is sovereign. Notice again in verse 17, the most high rules in the heavens of men. Did you see this? Look at it closely and gives it to whomever he chooses and sets over it. Did you see that? The lowest of men, the base of men, some of your translations might say. So that gives you insight into the election year. In other words, listen, God rules over politics. If you know that, please say amen. Amen. It's ugly out there. Have you noticed it's just mean? It's just cruel. It's just ugly. And Christians get all caught up into this. As if God is not aware, as if God is out of control. Listen, God is always in control. I don't care who gets in the office. I personally, Pastor Rodney, I don't care who gets in office. I think as Christians we need to be responsible. I think we need to be responsible as it relates to voting. That is our right and, and our privilege as citizens of, of this country and as, as Americans. But I, once I cast my vote, that is where I leave it because I believe that I serve a sovereign God who is over politics. And not only that, but according to verse 17, it seems to indicate that if you run for office and you don't win and you're disappointed, you might want to rejoice because God sometimes sets the worst of men over the government. So if your man that you vote for doesn't win, you might want to rejoice because it might tell you that you really had the right heart for the right guy because the guy that got voted in, according to verse 17, is the worst of all the men. Get the CD played on the way home. You'll get that. I don't worry about all that. I don't care who gets in the office. I, I take care of my responsibilities, saints, and that's it. Because I'm not looking for my kingdom to be on this earth. My kingdom is in heaven. My home is in heaven. My heart is in heaven. And my hope is in heaven. My eyes are looking up to where, saints? Heaven, you know. My, I, I don't, whatever. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you. Whatever you need, it's God has it. And don't get ugly like the world. That's the world. Digging up people's past. It's ugly. It's evil. It's not godly. And I want no part of it. Interesting. Now notice here in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, he was astonished for a time. Then this is interesting. And his thoughts. So so Nebuchadnezzar tells him a dream. And Daniel explains the dream. When he sees what God is saying, he's astonished for a time. His thoughts are troubled. And so the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or the interpretation trouble you. In other words, spit it out, man. Belteshazzar answered and he said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you. In other words, I'm sorry, I got to tell this to you. You can see Daniel's heart. We'll talk about it in a minute. Toward Nebuchadnezzar. You see his heart toward him? He says, you know, I I wish that this was uh, against your enemies and its interpretation concerning your enemies. The tree that you saw, here's the interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, which could be seen by all the earth. Whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the heavens had their home. It is you, O King, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, "Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and its roots in the earth, bound with the band of iron and bronze. And the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of the heaven, and let him graze with." The beast of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High. Here's why, saints, until you know that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O oh king, let my advice be acceptable to you. This is what you're to do. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps they may be of a lengthening of your prosperity. Now stop right there. We got to stop right there. Daniel has the interpretation of the dream. And did you notice this? He sits there with his mouth open. He's astonished. He's shocked. He's amazed. He's astounded. And so the king says, Daniel, snap out of it, tell me the interpretation. Daniel says, King, I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but it applies to you. He said, this is the decree of the most high king. You're going to be driven out. You're going to dwell with the beasts of the field, eating grass and wet dew on you for seven years until you know or learn that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. You were standing proud and going high, but you will be cut down and driven out. Now, I want you to notice this here because I find this pretty fascinating. the, The tenderness of Daniel. When Daniel saw what was going to happen in verse 19, he was shocked. He, you know, he could have said, you know, King, that's what you get. <laughs> you know, King, you know, you know, you are you you so mean. You've been so mean. You took us from our homeland. You took us from our family. You took us from our mom, our dad. You took us from everything that was familiar You brought us to this place. You had the audacity to change our names and make a decree and killing people, and you threw my friends in the fiery furnace. That's what you get, King. He could have said that, but he didn't say that. Did you see that? Daniel was shocked and he was heartbroken. When he saw Nebuchadnezzar's sinfulness, it's almost like Ezra. You remember Ezra. When Ezra saw the sinfulness of the people, it says that he sat down and he was astonished. Jesus, when he looked over Jerusalem, he wept. Why? Because of their sinfulness. And I really believe that Daniel truly cared about Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, Jewish tradition, the Talmud, tells us that Daniel took care of him during his psychotic years. We'll talk about that in just a second. You know, someone once said this people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and that is very, very, very true. You might know your eschatology, you might be able to quote theology, you might be able to have all knowledge in numerology, but until you see people with the heart of the Lord, and until people see, How much you care, they won't receive it. Now, I remember a guy one time, I think I told you about this, over at the gas station church. And after church, you know, he had some comments that he wanted to share with me. And uh, I'll never forget, man, a guy met me at the front door. He had a stack of books this high. I kid you not. This was after a Sunday service. He had a stack of books this high. I should have known something was wrong because he had on a full-on suit, and I I got no problem with suits, but a person walking in with suits and a stack of books this high, that should tell me problems. I was new in the ministry, didn't know. And so after, (laughs) now I know. Okay, so if you have a stack of books, you might want to leave now. Okay, run. And uh, so the guy, he comes up to me, he's got a stack of books, Pastor Rodney, I want to share something with you. According to the theology and all of these things that I have studied, I can see from this church that you are setting people up on the stage and lifting them up above all the people. This guy had a problem because we had a stage. I kid you not. He had a problem because we had a stage in the church. He said that we were lifting up people and lifting up higher than the Lord and puffing people up and all of this stuff. And I'm I'm listening to him. This is after church. I'm usually not a good thinker right after service. You know what I mean? I'm really not a good thinker. And and I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, security, 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 problem over here, problem. Come help me, please. And you know, it's, it's You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't, people don't care. I I wasn't interested. You know, if he'd have talked to me lovingly, I might have been willing to listen to him. But it wasn't like that. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Daniel said, King, I wish this didn't apply to you. Daniel cared enough to confront him. Look at verse 27. Daniel said "Straightforward." King, I've given you the vision, now here's the solution. Break off from your sins, turn from it, and get it together, and you will find a lengthening of your prosperity, or literal translation, a healing of thy era. In other words, if you repent now and turn to the Lord, this won't come upon you. But apparently, Daniel's words didn't have any effect. Look at verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, now here we are one year later, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And then this is a huge palace. As a matter of fact, I found out that this palace at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar, 6th century B.C., the palace cost $1 billion in, in the sixth century BC. I, I can't even comprehend how much that would translate into today's numbers. $1 billion. It was beautiful. Famous for its um, hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world. The walls were so high, 300 feet high, and so wide that they were able to to, to perform chariot races on top of the walls of the city of Babylon. Beautiful. The Euphrates River just came right through the city. The, the, The city was so well done that it is said that the Babylonians could exist inside the walls of the city and never come out for 20 years. That's how well done and equipped and capable was the city with water and food. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful city. So King Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of the 12 months, he's walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my... This guy's got eye disease. You see that? He's got eye disease, that I have built in my dwelling in my mighty power for the honor of my majesty, while the word was still in the king's mouth, this is a trip. A voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like birds' claws. Notice Daniel is loving, he's tender, he's honest. But Nebuchadnezzar responded in stubbornness and stupidity. One year later, the king still hadn't repented. He was filled with pride. He looks over the city. He's impressed with what he has built. He didn't give credit to the Lord. His name is all over the place, King Nebuchadnezzar Ministries. Aren't you, aren't you just a little amazed at how many, you know, so-and-so, ministries. What, Whatever happened to just simply giving the glory to God? Now it's my ministry. Let me just tell y'all something. I'll share something with you. If I ever, and here's one time I'm giving y'all license to beat me, if I ever put on this building, Rodney Finch Ministries, you have my authority to beat me up. Okay? course, you'll have to go through my wife first, which I don't know that you're going to have me and can't take her on. But isn't that strange? You know, my ministries, my name ministries, whatever happened is just simply giving the glory to God, that's why we call ourselves Calvary Chapel. It's not my ministry. This ministry belongs to Jesus. And this is not my ministry. God has placed me as the pastor over this ministry. And with that responsibility, I take it and I take it seriously. And I love it. And I love you. And I love what God's doing. And I'm happy to be here. It's great. This church is great. But it's not mine. Put your name on it. The- See, Nebuchadnezzar, he put his name on the city. My city. My kingdom. He didn't give the glory to God. Instead of humbling himself, he became prideful. The Bible has a lot to say about pride. You're taking notes. Here's some verses for you. Proverbs chapter 6. Pride is listed as one of the deadly, seven deadly sins. Proverbs 16 verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Very important verse. Proverbs 29 verse 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was proud and refused to honor God. And while he was boasting, a voice, while he was boasting, a voice came out of heaven and said, King, your kingdom is gone. And suddenly he was stricken with madness and he became like a beast and his fingernails grew into claws and his hair grew out of his body until it matted like the feathers on a bird. Wow. Now, this is known, this is a known form of insanity in medical journals today. Let me see if I can pronounce it. It's called lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. It actually is uh, another name. Some call it Insania Zoanthropica. Sounds like I'm speaking in tongues, doesn't it? Insania zoanthropica. This is a diagnosis today. This is when men think of themselves as animals and imitate the behavior of animals. Many cases have been reported throughout history of rulers and monarchs who were not. Hitler, Antichus Epiphanes, George III of England, Alexandra the Great, There's a guy by the name of King Otto of Bavaria who used to speak, get this, to little spirits that lived in the drawers in his furniture. Can we say crazy? He was nuts. Nebuchadnezzar, as J. Vernon McGee said, had bats in his belfry. I like that. That's bell tower for some of y'all young whippersnappers. That's a bell tower. He had bats in his belfry, J. Vernon McGee said. He thinks he's an ox. So he went from the best to a beast, from the palace to the pasture, from grandeur to grazing. Why? Because he wouldn't humble himself. You see, the Bible says humble yourself Under the mighty hand of God. How many times do I hear people praying, Lord, humble me. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Do not ever pray. Lord, humble me. Okay, if you understand that, raise your right hand. Okay, your other right, ma'am. There. (laughs) You know, every time we hear people, Lord, just humble me, Father. Father. Father, humble me. Lord, would you just humble me? Let's don't pray that. Yeah, I'm in the prayer meeting. It's like, oh, God, please humble me. Oh, God, I'm looking at it, I'm like, no, don't pray
0: that.
1: Anything but that. It's like, don't pray that. Why? Because if God humbles you, it ain't going to be pretty. So the Bible tells us, we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us to pray that. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Isn't that right? The Bible says, humble thyself. The Bible says, you get low. When God's doing a great work, just say, praise the Lord. When God's using you, just say, God is good. When God's blessing, and you know what? Don't go for the false humility thing either. You know, I got to say that. Let me see. I got 3 minutes. All right. I, you know, don't go for the false humility thing. You know, oh man, God sure is using me. Well, you know, it's all Jesus. It's all the Lord. Well, if you know, if I just wasn't fasting and praying, the Lord wouldn't be using me. And you go for the false humility. Well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm nobody. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm a worm. I'm, I'm lower than, I, I play wall ball with a curve. I'm so low. I, you know, oh, I'm just so low, so low, low, low. I'm so low. People do that too. And that's false. Why not just say, thank you. Praise the Lord. God's really using you. Amen. Hey, God's blessing you. Thanks. Hey, great. What, just, can, this, can we get real and stop being so spiritual? We're just spiritual, just spiritual, you know. Just get real. You know, but give glory to God. And this is what he didn't do. And because he didn't do that, he went insane. But notice in verse 34, God used it at the end of the time. That's the end in verse 34. That's the end of the insanity. Nebuchadnezzar, what did he do, saints? He lifted his eyes toward heaven And my understanding, he says, returned to me and I blessed the most high God and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at the same time, my reason returned to me, never. Nebuchadnezzar says, and for the glory of my kingdom. You notice now he's talking about the glory of the Lord. He's praising the Lord. He's giving honor to the Lord for the glory of my kingdom. He says, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and exalted and and excelled in majesty and was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways, justice and justice. Those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. And then go back to verse 1 of chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar now writes this letter to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. You see how God just took him full circle. And God had to chastise him in order to raise him up. Seven years later, Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes toward the Lord. And when he looked to heaven in reverence for God, God restored the kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar, he gave glory to God. And he says, basically in his letter, he says, Everyone, in my, his testimony, everyone, I want you to know that I was nuts. I thought I was an ox. For seven years, and God used it to get my attention. That's what he says. This is his testimony. You see, stop striving. Stop striving. Look at verse 37, and then I'm going to close. Look at verse 37, really important. Last verse, last sentence. Look at last verse, last sentence. Those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. You see that? The one condition of the heart that God will resist Is pride, and the only cure for pride is repentance and humility. Pride destroys nations. Pride destroys families. Pride destroys marriages. People, pride destroys people. You see, pride destroys. The only way to deal with pride is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you, the Bible says, in his time. Pride is the only sin, really. Honestly, it connects itself with the unpardonable sin of rejecting the Holy Spirit because to reject the Holy Spirit says, I am my own God. I don't need salvation. I don't need the Holy Spirit in my life. And therefore, pride will send you to hell. That's why God says, you humble yourself. You humble yourself and he will exalt you.